0: All right. Well, hey, y'all can have a seat. How are y'all feeling tonight? All right. Let's go. Awesome. Hey, um, so this past Saturday, uh, my wife, myself, and my daughter, uh, we went to a fall festival together. And, um, super, super fun fall festival, tis the season now, Gold Rush is coming up. If you're a freshman and you don't know what Gold Rush is, fasten your seatbelt, that's all I gotta say. Um, it's gonna be fun, but I love, like, fall festivals and things like that, and so, uh, me, Ali, or me and Aaliyah took Charlie to our very first fall festival. It was so fun to do as a family. Um, so let me kind of set the scene for you. We, uh, we're looking for parking. We pull into this parking lot, and, um, we get out, we pull Charlie's stroller out of the car and uh, Charlie's sitting in the car, and we're basically, you know, trying to get set up. There's a a whole bunch of setup stuff that I'm learning about that you have to do to go anywhere. You want to go to Walmart? Five minutes of preparation before you enter the building. Same thing with a fall festival. All right, so we're outside. We're setting up the stroller, and Aaliyah says, will you push Charlie in the stroller? And I say, well, there's a little problem. See, our stroller is not built for someone who's like six foot Eleven. Okay, and so uh, when I push Charlie in the stroller, I am simultaneously kicking her in the back uh, because my legs are so long and the handle on the stroller is so short. And so I'm like, I really don't want our baby to get whiplash. So why don't you push her? And um, so Aaliyah, you know, she she actually goes, well you can adjust the handle on the stroller. And I'm like, no, you can't. Like it it doesn't move. It's it's one thing. And so she shows me there's these little notches under the stroller that you can like push them in. And when you push them in, it kind of releases the latch. You can pull the handle out. And then a six foot eleven person can walk without kicking their baby in the back of the head. Okay. And so um what we we start we you know get down and we're we're like trying our best to, to get this thing to do what we want it to do. Like, I've got my, it's a scene. I've got my car keys out. I'm like on my hands and knees. Uh, I, I've like got my keys jammed up into the stroller. Charlie's crying. is like, push. And I'm like, I am pushing. You pull it. And so we're just going back and forth. It takes like 10 minutes, y'all. We finally get this handle all the way out on the stroller, and I'm able to push Charlie with no problems. Well, a little bit later, we're walking around in this fall festival having a great time. And my hand, as I'm pushing the stroller, it, like, catches this thing that's, like, under the handle, like, kind of on the on the inside of it. And it's a button. And what I find is that this button actually releases those latches that it took us 15 minutes to figure out how to do in the parking lot when we're causing a scene. Baby's crying. People are looking at us. Apparently that button is made for the exact thing that we were trying our best to solve. And I remember whenever, uh, whenever I found that button, when I saw what it did, I remember like looking at the stroller and going, Man, I didn't know it could do that. And my hope is that that same mentality would be true of you after our time together tonight in regard to your friendships. Uh, that tonight you would look at your friendships... Uh, That we would see what God's word has to say about real godly friendships. And and that you would, on the back end of our time together tonight, you would look at your friendships and go, oh man, I didn't know they could do that. Like I didn't know they could be so life-giving. I I didn't know that like so much was available to me through just a simple friendship. See, I I have friends, but like, do you have real friendships? That's going to be our question um, tonight. I truly believe, like, if we believed what Scripture says about our friendships, if we took God's Word at face value and we directly applied what it says to our life and to our friendships, I think that's what we would say. Like, man, I didn't realize that they could do this. Well, we're going to look at what God's Word has to say about our friendships tonight. So grab your Bibles, if you have them, and turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. So Paul writes the book of Galatians to a group of churches in Galatia. And he's writing to this group of churches because this group of churches believe that there's like this list of things that you have to do in order to be accepted by God. And so Paul writes basically to shut that idea down. He writes to them, and, and he, he really, Galatians is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Like Paul makes it very clear. He says a lot of the things that we just sang about. Hey, acceptance by Jesus is not something you have to earn. It's something that is a free gift available to each and every person who has ever been born and will ever be born. And tonight, if, you, if you've come in here and, and you think that to be accepted by Jesus means that you have to do enough good things to earn his acceptance, that is totally, it could not be further from the truth. See, Jesus loves you for, uh, for who you are, despite all the wrong things that you have done, and he offers you a, a personal opportunity to begin a relationship with him. And Paul writes this truth to, to the Galatian churches, and in chapter 5 and 6 of Galatians, Paul begins to basically say, after he's already like, articulated the gospel to them, he says, when you have salvation, like there are some things that begin to be produced in your life. That's when he talks about the fruit of the spirit. It's that song you sang about whenever uh, you grew up in church. You know, those of you who love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all that stuff. Uh, Paul goes into that in chapter five, and then when he gets into verse six, or I'm sorry, chapter six, he kind of elaborates on the things that should be produced in your life when you have a, a life connected to Jesus. And one of those things is godly friendships, godly relationships with other believers, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. So, so we're moving through a series that we're calling Be Real. I told you last week the point of this series is to kind of get rid of the counterfeit in your life in exchange for the authentic. I think many of us tonight might have walked in here with, with counterfeit friendships. Now, I don't mean that like if you were to really get to the heart of your friend that like they're out to get you or something. I don't. That's not what I'm saying. I think a lot of us believe that we have godly friendships. And, and I think that Maybe we're like a step down that path, but there's so much more that's available to us if we truly understood what godly friendships looked like. And so tonight, as we try to get rid of the counterfeit in our life in exchange for the authentic, I'll tell you how we're going to do that. We're going to do this the same exact way that people are like, trained to identify counterfeit money. I don't know if you guys know much about how uh, people are trained to do that. Uh, basically, I'll tell you, they, like, when people are trained to identify counterfeit bills, they're not trained to figure out all the different like, nuances and ways that people make counterfeits. What they do is they're told, study the real thing. And if you can, like, if you can know the real thing well enough, then ultimately what you'll, what you'll find is that you can spot a counterfeit anywhere. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to study uh, together. We're, we're going to study what real friendships look like so that you can spot counterfeit friendships in your life. So Tonight, what I want to do is I want to point out three things that are true of real friends. Three things that are true of real friends. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Paul writes, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, we're going to stop right there. We're kind of going to walk through the first five verses of this passage together tonight, but the first thing that I want you to see that's true of real friendships comes in verse 1. I want you, to see, I want you tonight to see that real friends work together. Real friends work together. Like, something that is true of godly friendships is that godly friendships work together. Now, I don't mean like you both work at Starbucks. I don't mean like you, you both work, you know, here at the university. Uh, I, mean, I mean something totally different. See, in this verse, we can really tell that friendship, it carries with it a responsibility. A responsibility to look out for one another spiritually. Like that's what a godly friendship looks like. That there's this common responsibility to look out for one another spiritually, to work together to grow closer to Jesus. That's what I mean when I say work together. Paul points out in, in this verse, at the end of the verse, uh, that we have a responsibility first and foremost to ourselves. It's why at the end of the verse he says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So it's clear that we have a responsibility like to work on our own relationship with the Lord, but if we have Christian friends, like other believers who we call friends, not only do we have a responsibility for ourselves, but we have a responsibility to them. We have a responsibility to look out for the believers that we're close to, the people that that follow Jesus that we would call friends. See, in godly friendships, there is an awareness of, a commitment to spiritual growth. You're working together to grow closer to to Jesus. You're you're working together to help one another follow Jesus. There's like this, this permission there that should exist in your friendships assuming that that you and your friends are followers of jesus like there should be a general permission and a trust saying like i'm trusting you too i'm giving you permission to help me follow jesus and i'm committing to you to do the same and sometimes that's really easy you know sometimes like that that's really fun honestly like when life is going great for, for you and life is going great for them, like the Lord's blessing you and the Lord's blessing them, you get to have these awesome conversations about, man, like look at what God's doing in my life. Look at how I'm growing. Like God is so faithful. Let me, let me tell you what he's teaching me. A lot of times that can be really easy and really awesome. Like on, on Thursday um, afternoons before Revive, I hang out with some guys at Starbucks and literally like that has been the tune of the past few weeks. We've gotten to sit down together and just talk about like how good God is in our life. It's so fun. And that a lot of times comes easy, you know, working together to grow in your faith when life is good. But it's not always easy. It, it can also, it can get difficult because not only does, does Paul tell us that we have a responsibility uh, to one another when life is easy, but we also see in this passage that there's times when it gets hard. Uh, we see in, in verse one, it says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, that means if anyone is stuck in a sin, you who are spiritual, in other words, like the real friends, real friendship, uh, should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. Like it can be difficult. And I think a lot of times, like our friendships do not look like that. I actually think that we look a little bit more like this. Um, I'll, I have a picture that I want to show you guys. Um, does anyone recognize this guy? Raise your hand. Let's see it if you recognize him. Okay, good. So um, this guy is very popular. Let me explain what on earth is happening right now. Okay, so this is a guy by the name of Coyote Peterson, um, or at least that's what he calls himself. And um, Coyote Peterson became famous on YouTube. And you might think, well, there's plenty of awesome ways to get famous on YouTube. I'm sure he's one of those awesome ways not quite, um, the awesome way that, or the way that he has uh, become famous on YouTube is basically the way that he calls it, he's working his way, or he's already done this, worked his way up the, um, the insect sting pain index, okay, that's, that's how he says it, basically what he's doing is he's setting out on this mission to be stung by or bitten by the most painful animals that exist in the world. He's, like, worked his way all the way up from a little carpenter ant to something that's called a bullet ant um, that, like, put him on his butt, okay? Um, check this out. I Googled yesterday his net worth. It is $15 million. So, just for fun, how many of you, if you had to work your way up the animal sting pain index, and you ha- it was basically going to be $15 million in your pocket if you did it, how many of you would be like, yep, I'll do it? That is surprisingly less than I thought. That is very interesting. I I would not. I'll just tell you that right now. It's like not worth it. Pretty happy with my job. But hey, listen. If you've ever watched these videos, which it, it seems like many of you have, you're going to this like this is going to sound familiar to you. There's something that always sticks out to me about these videos. Every time I watch these things, you know, he, he like will go find this this ant somewhere in the wilderness or wasp or whatever it is. They'll go find it. And then he'll take this thing with like some forceps and he'll put it on his arm. And he's like conversing with his camera crew. And the camera crew's like, don't worry, be brave. And I'm like, you guys are the worst friends that anyone could ever ask for. Like, I think it every time. He's like, like his hands shake and he's trembling. They're like, you got this. Just be brave. I'm like, you be brave, cameraman. Come on, let's see what you got. You know, like, it is crazy to watch. But I, I think that a lot of times when it comes to, like, our friends, caught in in a sin, I think we can kind of take on that that same uh, position. Like we see our friends stepping into something stupid and we're just more content to sit back and watch than to like intervene. We're more content to, to stay back, whether it's for our entertainment, we just want to see what happens, or it's just because we're too scared to know what they would say if we were to actually speak up. We're really content to stay back and, and stay in what we would call our own lane. I think a lot of times we look more like that camera crew, right? Um, But what we see in this verse is not that. We see in this verse, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, like you who, who believe in Jesus, you who call yourself followers of Jesus, you have a responsibility to go to that person and to restore them. Like, if we take this at face value, like, I think what we would find is that most of our friendships miss the mark. Right? Like, it, it, I mean, it's me too. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that. Like, most of our friendships miss the mark. What this verse is not saying is that, like, any time that your friend sins, that you have to, have to, like, go and track them down and flag them or anything like that. It, it says, if, if your friend is caught in a sin, go to them. And, and what is the word that Paul uses? He says, restore them. Restore them. If you've ever heard this passage taught before, maybe you've heard that that word restore, it paints a picture of like a broken bone being reset. And it's this beautiful picture of something like it's painful in the moment, but when it gets repaired, it actually grows back even stronger than before. It's a beautiful picture. And, and it's a true picture. But what stuck out to me as I studied this passage um, this, this week was not the picture of the bone being reset. I studied that word, and something else stuck out to me, something that I felt like was really cool. I want to share it with you guys. Any time that you see that word "restore," and there's different English words for that Greek word "restore" throughout the New Testament it always speaks of a process. It's not a moment. It's a process like restoration going to a friend trying to to restore uh them if they are caught in a temptation it's not something that happens in a moment it's a process that you are you are working through with them right it doesn't look like hey um let's come around the table you know you and five friends all right brethren we're gathered today because you know so and so this is what he's done the past week like that's not what this is this is this is like you working through the process of going to your friend, like it's, it's not the intervention thing. It's more just like, hey bro, I've been seeing this in your life and I just, I don't think that it's wise. I don't, when I look at God's word, I don't see this as something that is honoring to the Lord. I know that's a, like a foreign concept to us, but again, if we take this thing at face value, like that's the responsibility that we have. It is to go to our friends and to work towards restoration. But the question everybody's got in your mind right now is, what if they get mad at me? What if they get mad at me? Well, okay, a few things. First of all, um, you have to ask yourself, like, are you in the right? First and foremost. Like, Paul even says that in verse 1. That's why he, he says, keep watch on yourself. He says that in the verse. So, so first of all, like, if you're going to go to your friend, you better be doing okay yourself. It like kind of is a parallel to those words that Jesus is, is famous for saying in the Gospels. He says, like, hey, don't go to try to pick the splinter out of your brother's eye if you've got a plank in your own eye. So, so first of all, are you in the right? And then another thing is, like, do you have permission, right? Like, if you and your friend have kind of, like, maybe your friend's a new believer. Like, you guys have never had any kind of a discussion like that before. I don't think you need to just be, like, busting in their room, like, you know, Throwing a Bible at them or anything like that. Like it, it says, do this in a spirit of gentleness. But what if they get mad at me? One of my favorite quotes of all time is uh, by a pastor named Jonathan Pekluda, and he says this. He says, obedience is not defined by the outcome. Obedience is not determined. Actually, obedience is not determined by the outcome. In other words, like you don't evaluate whether or not you should be obedient to the call of the Lord in your life based on what, that, what you might think the outcome is. Like, just because they get, they get mad at you does not change the, the fact that you have a responsibility to go to them. Obedience is not determined by the outcome. So, th- this tells us from the start, like, I think real friendships, they go a lot deeper than, than we might really think. Hopefully, like the wheels are already turning like, oh, I see now, like there's so much more to these things, and I'm actually getting out of them. But if we continue to read, we'll see there's even more. Verse 2, Paul writes, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. The second thing that's true of real friendships, we, we said real friends work together. But not only that, real friends walk together. Real friends walk together. This point has really like, changed me this week. Like This whole passage has just been probably my favorite passage to study throughout the entire semester so far. Like Really, this, this passage, especially the, this point in this passage, uh, has shown me that like, I am genuinely going to have to go to some friends and tell them, hey, I have not been doing a good job at being your friend. Seriously, like I'm literally gonna have to humble myself and go, "Hey, I have not been doing a good job, and and I'm sorry, and I want to change." Like when I think about my friendships, when when I think about like kind of the 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 like general flow of a day in the life of my friendships, I show up to the office and I'm like, "Hey, man, how's it going? Did you see the game last night? Yeah, my fantasy team they went off again. You know, I saw yours lost. I'm sorry, you know." Um, you know, all right, well, see you around lunchtime, and so I'll go to the office, and then lunchtime comes around, and I'm like, anybody want to go to Chick-fil-A? You know, my friends will join me. We get to Chick-fil-A, it's like, man, what you, what you guys been working on, you know? <laughs> we just kind of normal back and forth. Wow, this new honey pimento pepper chicken sandwich sure is good. And then back to the office, all right, we'll see you, we'll see you tomorrow, and I get, I get home at night, and I'm like, man, I would love to play golf this weekend, and I don't want to play by myself. Let me text them. And so, I, you know, hey, you, know, you want to play golf this weekend? Or, like, hey, you know what? I think I want a workout partner in the morning. So, let me, let me text and see if somebody will come and join me. And, like, that's kind of the flow of my friendships. They show up to the golf course. How's it going? You know, did you see the game? Yeah, fantasy team. Still, you try the chicken sandwich. It's a good chicken sandwich. You know, like, it's just, I, I don't know. I feel, like I've, I feel like I've learned a lot. Like, I've learned that most of the time that I spend with my friends um, is really just spent because I like doing other, I like doing things with other people. You know, like, sure, I like being around them, but, but ultimately, like, I just don't want to be by myself doing the things that I like to do. I've also, like, learned as I look back at my friendships, I'm learning, I'm seeing most of the conversations that I have with my friends are, are fun, but meaningless, like, like, I enjoy the conversations, but, like, there's no depth. And, and honestly, they're more about me than they are about them. Does any of this sound familiar? Like, please don't leave me up here alone. Like, I mean, I, I think you would, you would say that there are probably some parallels in your life, too. Like, I, I'm telling you, I, I see this, and, and I'm, not, I'm not good at it. And here's the thing. I, like, don't hear me, don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, I love my friends, I genuinely love my friends. Like, I have some of the best friends on the planet. Like, I really do love them. We spend a ton of time together. Like, Aaliyah and I, like, as a couple, have couple friends. Like, we go on trips together. Like, we we love our friends. But none of those things that I just said, the fact that we love them, the fact that we spend a lot of time together, the fact that we enjoy being around them, like, none of those are, are implications that there is a real godly friendship taking place. It's more than that, which is why Paul says uh, in, in verse two, he says, Bear one another's burdens. Like that's the command. Bear one another's burdens. Here's what that means Real friends are not just present in your life, they are participants in your life. Real friends aren't just present. They are participants. They jump in with you. They're not just there to sit back and watch. And so many of my friendships, I'm learning, like, I'm just more of a participant, or a, a, like I'm just present in their life, and I'm really not being a participant. The point of friendships, or friendship is not just to have other people around you so that you can entertain one another. The point of friendship is walking through life together. Real friends walk together. That phrase, bearing one another's burdens, it literally speaks of helping someone carry the weight of life. Like helping them carry the weight of life. And I think we all know, it's no surprise, life can be heavy. Like, but, but bearing one another's burdens, it doesn't just look like, hey, when, they, when some, a friend of mine has a loved one pass away, that I'm going like to bring them a meal. It is that, but it's more than that. Like, life is heavy, but everyone, here's the thing, everyone is always carrying something. You guys know that? Like, even when life is good, everyone is always carrying something. So even when, like, things aren't necessarily bad in their life, like, we still have a responsibility to be a participant in their life. You don't have to wait until bad things happen to bear someone else's burdens. There's always an opportunity to do that. So what does it look like? Well, First of all, it looks like being invested in their life. Being invested in their life. Not just expecting them to be invested in yours. You're invested in their life. And, And here's a great way to do that. Be a good listener. Like, you want to be the absolute best friend ever? Just be an incredible listener. Like, I'm terrible at that. I love to talk. I love to hear myself talk. I think other people like to hear me talk. It's a fatal flaw, right? But like... If we were good listeners, I think you would be shocked at how good of a, of a friend you would be. And being invested in their life, not just expecting them to be invested in yours. Also, ask how you can pray for them. Like, I, th- I think there's this, I don't know if it's like shame or it's pride is what it is. We'll talk about that in a second. But, but there's like just this overarching like spiritual things just, we don't talk about that in our friendships. And like, what? Like, if this is what your life centers around, but it doesn't come up in your friendships, like, something's off, man. Ask your friends, how can you pray for them? That is not a weird question. Like, that should be a common question. And then, you know what you should do after you ask? You should pray for them. Like, right there. And if you can't right there, then pray for them later, and then text, text them when you do it. And it's a great way to, to be more than just a participant, but to be, uh, or to be more than just present, but to be a participant in someone's life. Not only that, but be available. Like, good friends are available. So much so that they're willing to, like, sacrifice their own needs uh, for the needs of their friends. Be available if they need advice, if they need someone to just listen to them, if they need someone to help them. And, and like, not only when it's convenient for you, You make that sacrifice, that's carrying the weight. So, are you and your friends a bunch of people sitting on the sidelines watching each other's life? Or do you walk through life together? Real friends work together, and real friends walk together. Let's keep on reading. We're going to read through verse 5. Paul says, For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. The the final thing that's true of real friendships, we said real friends work together. Real friends walk together. The final thing is real friends win together. Real friends win together. You know what, what we just read in those verses? Like just a general summary? Pride is a cancer to real friendships. It is destructive. Like when pride creeps into a friendship, it tends to spread and eventually kill a friendship. And you know what I have noticed, like looking back at my friendships, like kind of just observing friendships around me? I think pride is like, I'm sorry, I think friendships are like the most fertile soil for pride to take root in. I really do. Like, like if you were truly introspective, like if you truly like, like just took a moment and thought about your friendships, I think you would find that there are roots of pride that if you don't check them, those things will continue to spread and, and your friendship, like you're not growing closer together, you're growing further apart. Pride is a big deal in our friendships and Paul knows this, which is why he writes those verses. Pride is, is the enemy to everything we've talked about so far when it comes to, to real friends working together. Pride is the enemy to that. Pride is the enemy to you having the kind of friendship where you, where, where you and your friends are working to grow closer to Jesus. Pride is the enemy of that. It's the enemy of that, like in all kinds of different ways, but it can manifest itself and, like, you start to think that you're better than your friend. So you start to just look for things that are wrong in their life without any sort of cognizance of what's wrong in your life. Pride, I mean, it's destructive. Not only is it destructive to working together, but it's also destructive to walking together. What well, we talked about, bearing one another's burdens. Like, like, Pride is the number one enemy of bearing other people's burdens because you begin to see other people as, a, as an inconvenience to you. That is prideful. Like if, if a friend calls you late at night and you're like, man, don't they know I have a life? Don't they know I have studying to do? I mean, there's boundaries for sure, but like, like, is it pride? Or is it the fact that you really, really need to be studying for those three more minutes? I mean, pride is destructive. Pride is a problem in our friendships. Even more than that, Paul warns us in verse 4. Great warning. He, he says in verse 4, Let each one test his own work, then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. We just read that. Paul says, basically, don't compare yourself to your friends to try and make yourself feel better. Don't compare yourself to your friends to try to make yourself feel better. You know what's like, I have noticed it is, is so true. Sometimes our closest friends can be our biggest competitors. Sometimes our closest friends are our biggest competitors. And like, guys, we know this. And there is, there is a healthy, like, there, there is something that, that is just healthy about competition. But it can get real unhealthy real fast. Sometimes our biggest friends are our biggest competitors, I'm not just talking about the sports field. I'm talking about like, you know this, like you have probably been in a, in a place where something good has happened to your friend. And like to them, you are just, man, God is so good. And then you turn around and you're like, like deep down, you're like, I cannot like, I cannot believe that happened to them. Am I the only one that's been there? I mean, I feel like I, 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 this is seriously has been so convicting to me. It really has been like pride. I'm telling you, it is such a problem in our friendships. Our friendships are some of the, is some of the most fertile soil for pride to take root. There's a verse in Proverbs. It's chapter 16, verse 18. It's a pretty famous verse. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In other words, where there is pride, you can look a little bit further down the road and there will be a great fall. And when pride is in, is in the middle of a friendship, you can look a little bit further down the road of a friendship and, and you can see two people who probably have a, have a friendship just left in pieces behind them. Pride is a problem. In our friendships, which is why in verse four, Paul explicitly tells us, "Let each one test his own work." You guys see that in verse four? He says, "Let each one test his own work." So that word "test" in the original language it means to like put through a trial and examine. It paints a picture of like uh, precious metals or jewels being refined by fire to see what's, like what is truly uh, pure to burn away all the impurities. That's what that word test means. You know, if we were to do that in our own life, like if we were to, to really look at our life and be honest with ourselves about how we're doing, how we're measuring up to the standard that Jesus has set for us, like if we were to test ourselves in that way, like Paul talks about in verse four, I don't think there's a single person in here who's gonna be pleased with those results, right? I know I wouldn't be. Like, we're going to find that each and every one of us like are, are deeply messed up. And the only reason that you have anything is because you are a product of the grace of Jesus. Like, that's true of every single one of us. Like, the only the, anything good in us is due to the fact that we are a product of the grace of God, the mercy of God, that he bought us with his life. Like, that's the, on, the, the only thing good about us is due to that. Anything good about you has nothing to do with how hard you work. It has everything to do with Jesus working through you. And here's the thing. Your friend is the exact same as you. Your friend is the exact same as you. Like they're just as broken. They're, they're just as lost without Jesus. But praise the Lord for, for the grace in th- that he showed them in their life. Just as much as he showed you in yours. Your friend is the exact same as you. So good things that happen to them, they're not cause for frustration. They're they're not cause for anger or envy. They are cause for everyone celebrating how good God is that he shows grace to broken people like us. Like that's the mentality we have to have in our friendships. When When something good happens to a friend, like Man, God is so good to them, just like when something good happens to us, God is so good to us. Like None of us would have anything good if it wasn't for the Lord in our life, if it wasn't for Him purchasing us. And that mentality is how we root out pride in our life. And what you'll see is that as this becomes true in your life, your affection for Christ will grow deeper because of it. Like, as you apply this to your friendships, you will see that your affection for Christ together begins to grow deeper. Like, it is is an incredible thing. Like, truly, if we were to take God's word, and and we were to hold our friendships up against it, and we were to try to make those two things as close as possible, I, I really think we'd get to the point where we look at our friendships and we go, Man, I didn't know it could do that. I didn't know it could do that. Like I, I had no, no way of knowing that there would be so much life change come out of our, my, these friendships. I had no way of knowing that the Lord would work through other people around me pursuing Him together. I didn't know it could do that. I, I think that that would be true if we took the Scripture and applied it directly to our friendships. We did away with the counterfeit in exchange for the authentic that, that the the truth uh, that, is, that is God's word. So I want to invite the band back out. Uh, and I want to close by just quickly talking through some practical questions. Um, some practical questions that people often have when it comes to friendship. Like, let, let's let's get this to a point that, like, okay, well, how do I leave this room and apply this to my life? You know, one of the first questions that's often in a lot of people's heads is, is they, they would ask this question, like, okay, I I really don't know where to go for friends like that. Like, I've looked around, but I don't know where to go. Like, I want friends like that. That sounds great, but where do I go to get them? Well, I'm going to take a really good dating principle, and I'm going to apply it to friendships. Instead of constantly looking for the one, become the one that you're looking for is looking for. You guys ever heard that? Like, That's true for your friendships. Like, instead of constantly, like, looking for just the the best friend to fall out of the sky and into into your lap, or maybe next to you in a seat, um, like, instead of that, like, just be an awesome friend to the people that God puts in your life. Like, if you have people in your life that claim to be believers, man, apply God's word to your friendships. Like, work with them, walk with them, win with them all those things. Apply that to your life. So, so be the one that you're looking for is looking for, right? Be the friend that, that you are looking for. And one of like an easy, low-hanging fruit way that you can find that is to get in a small group, to get in a small group. Uh, and, and that could be a small group through Revive. We've got small groups that meet throughout the week, they're led by your peers. They're here in Delonica. They're at Truett McConnell. We've got small groups that meet on Sundays. Like, there is a small group for you. They're all open groups. You can sign up. We'll put a QR code up on the screens later. Like, you can most certainly find friends like that in, in these small groups. But if it's not a small group through Revive, join a small group through BCM. Join a small group through your local church, first and foremost, most importantly. Like, get in a small group with good Christian community. Uh, another practical question that we could ask, you're probably wondering, is like, okay, well, I, I have friends, but how do we get there? <laughs> like, like I have friends, and the guys, I, I feel like this is this is even more of a question for the guys, because the girls will like, you know, cry and hug after this, and they're like, we need to be better friends, and the guys, like, the guys are going to be like, how's the game, you know, like, right? And so how how do we do that? Well, for anybody, girl, guy, I think, first of all, it starts with you. It starts with you. And and as we talk about how to respond to this tonight, I think maybe for some of us, the response needs to be tonight, the, the answer to this question, is that it starts with you. You need to, like, first take the initiative, be the bigger man, the bigger woman, go to those friends that you're like, I don't know how we can get there. Go to them, and just like what I'm going to do. Uh, I've got plans to do this this weekend. Go to those friends. Hey, I have not been a good enough friend to you, and I'm sorry. And I want to start doing that. And, and here's how I plan to do that. I want to I help you uh, grow closer to the Lord, and I want to ask that you would do the same for me. I want to I hold you accountable to God's word, and I want to ask that you would do the same for me. Just give, I just want to give you permission to do that for me. It doesn't have to be like, man, we're going to meet every week at this place this time. Like, it doesn't have to look like that. Real practical, I, I think it starts with you. Go to that person. Humble yourself enough. Great way to just root pride out from the start. Go to them. Hey, I've been a bad friend, and I'm sorry. I can do better. It's, it's simple. It's humbling, but it, but it really is simple. So that would be the answer to that question. Here's the thing thing that I want every single person to walk out of here knowing. Friendships will let you down. They will let you down. If you get to the point that you think that like true life is found through a friendship, you are looking for life in places that life does not exist. You guys remember that from a few weeks ago? Like, like true life is only found in Jesus. Do not look to your friendships for something that only Jesus can give you. They are a good tool for building. They are not a good foundation to build your life on. Jesus is the only foundation for building your life on. And so, if tonight you came in here and you want awesome friendships, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you will not have awesome friendships without a relationship with Jesus because he's the foundation for any good friendship. And so, um, tonight, I want to invite you guys to stand. The band's about to... Uh, lead us in worship. We're going to drop the house lights down. And um, tonight, I mean, really just want to give you the opportunity to respond. If you need to get with a friend, you need to come down front and pray. There's some, there's some uh, space down here. You're more than welcome to do that. You're more than welcome to pray in your seat, but, but tonight, if you've never made the decision for yourself to follow Jesus, I'll be down front, off here to the side. Um, Anne Marie will be down here for the ladies, and if you guys have any questions about what it looks like to follow Jesus, we'd invite you to come have a conversation with us. We'd love to answer any questions that you have. Let me pray for us, and uh, we'll respond and worship together. Father, we love you, and God, we are so grateful um, that you have loved us. God, we're so grateful for this gift of friendship. And I pray that we would be a good steward of that gift. Lord, I pray that uh, our friendships would be honoring to you. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, they would line up with your word. God, that we would be done with this like, uh, oh, that's a good idea. It's a good thought. But like that we would take it at face value and apply it to our life. And I pray that we would begin to see how much our life can change if we do that. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in your awesome name we pray. Amen.